This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 48. I am OwlScoop.com editor, John DiCarlo, and I'm joined once again by Declan Landis. The dynamic duo once again. Exactly, know? exactly. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good to it's good to be back in Philly for the second week in a row. Uh, back in the WHIP studio, which I affectionately call my home. So, you know, it's nice. It's it got a lot of work done today, so I can't complain. Needed to get out of Northern Maryland for a little bit. It was good to to get out of the house. You know, I I gotta I gotta get a routine going, and this is yep. helped. And part of that routine involved driving how many miles up 95? I took the train. Oh, I took the train. That's right. Yeah, train guy. Yes. Yeah. I can't take up the cars, you know, with seven people in the house. It just feels selfish. So you guys ever think of starting a sitcom? You know, a lot of people have said that. I have a a screensaver. It's a family picture we took my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that know Northern Maryland, you know, our our loyal listeners from Cecil County, (laughs) the Chesapeake Bridge is, is just beautiful if you hit it in the evening and you stand in like this one corner right by the water and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And we have a, a family picture. We did a photo shoot and uh, I have it as the screensaver on my laptop. And all of my friends have said, you look like you guys could be a sitcom. So, I mean, it, it writes itself really, but I'm just, I can't do that. That's Is everybody not- wearing the same shirt? Similar. It's uh sweater themes. So okay, all, the boys are wearing a sweater, like a, a blue sweater. My sister, I forget what color sweater she wears. And then, you know, my mom wears the same color. So was this taken? Oh, so it was taken outside by the bridge. Yeah, this was like around Christmas time. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice shot. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really my, is. My last question for you before we get to what everybody really wants to hear about. Not that your family aren't lovely people, I'm sure. But <laughs> to get to Temple Sports eventually. The Chesapeake Bridge. There's the Chesapeake Bridge. And then there's the Ches- Chesapeake Bay Bridge that's closer to like Annapolis and everything. So you're not talking about that part of the bridge. No, I'm talking about the Chesapeake City Bridge, which okay. is much smaller and way less traffic. Yeah. We went to the Chesapeake Bay Bridge with uh, Max Dinenberg and Caden Steele com- coming to and from the uh, the Temple Navy game. So I introduced them to that. Yeah. They, just more, they were more concerned about the Phillies game that day. So I don't think they truly took it in, took in the, the majesty of it all. Makes sense. Speaking of Al Scoop staff, uh, Johnny sends his regards. Saw him this morning on his way to the stadium. So, so um, well, I didn't speak to him last night at the stadium, but uh, I was at the the Phil's Braves game with my brother in law, and he was quite surprised that I knew both Bat Boys on the field. Adam Cronalli and Johnny. It was like, there's there's Johnny, there's Adam. Uh, it was a good night, other than the fact that the the Phil's just you know completely blew it in the later innings, but can't win them all. Nah, and the Braves are a better team and organization. There's that too. So. And I promise you guys that uh, Kyle is not putting me up to to saying that's just the truth. So we'll see what happens tonight. Anyway, famous number 48, Declan, what do you have? So one immediately came to mind for our uh, motorsports fans out there. I grew up on NASCAR. So Jimmy Johnson is the first name that came to mind for that. Uh, I know Kyle mentioned Richard Petty, I guess, five weeks ago now. So it counts. And mm-hmm. um, then I was thinking about Tory Hunter, which... 
I have a signed baseball from his son, which is how I know him. Oh, that's nice. Yes. And then uh, Jacob deGrom also wore 48. Still does. But at least at one point he did. I know for the with the Mets he did. And then I had another one, but I completely forgot it. So just completely slipped my mind. I had three that I kept saying in my head over and over again. And I just forgot the other one. I have, I think, two. For the Eagles, Wes Hopkins, who was just a, a hell of a safety for the for the Eagles back in the in the eighties, and then for hockey, did Danny Briere wear forty eight for the Flyers? Yes, 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 yes. All right, Briere and uh, Bud Dupree as well. Okay, that was the name I was thinking of Danny Briere. I, I yet I probably could not name ten current Flyers, but now Danny Briere is uh, being tasked with the the rebuild of this fine uh, hockey club. Yes, Danny Briere. What a, what a, him and Mike Richards were the two. Two guys that I loved when I first started getting into sports. This organize organization club, whatever you would call them. I'm I'm kind of tapped out on on other 48s, and I'm sure we'll there there be others that people remind us of, which is uh, which is always fun. At least it, it's uh, at least it lets you know that people are listening. You know what else is funny too? Along those lines, before we get to um, all the good stuff that we have for our listeners. You never like, you know, like certain weeks where you record and you think, oh, people might like this. And we had the the interview with Adam Fisher last week. And then that was part of a uh, a three-part series. You know, the uh, Al Scoop subscribers got part two and part three. And we got some good feedback on that interview. But I had a handful of people reach out to me. One guy emailed me telling me that a couple of people, two people texted me, one, pe- what, one person emailed me all about the swallowing pills bit. And one guy, one guy texted me and said, yeah, love the podcast. Yeah. Anyway, about the, the, the swallowing pills thing, here's what you do. And it's just funny that you never oh, know what tip? people are going to connect to. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Cause I know we have a question coming up, not to spoil it about other things we talked about last oh, week. The Bigfoot. Yeah, there is a, there is a Bigfoot question from our friend. If you guys listen to the, um, the I'll be back podcast, our friend Sean McGady asks a, a question relating to, to Bigfoot. So yeah. These are the things that people take away from from the podcast, but it just you know, just goes to Wait, show you people, that people people gave you tips. Like, what what were people reaching out to you about? Oh, uh, one guy emailed me. One of our listeners was a very sweet email, and he said, "Here's my what my wife does. She essentially takes." He said, "For her, we take we take the. I would read the guy's name. I'm sure he probably wouldn't care. Although maybe I should maybe I should just play it safe here. Maybe he doesn't want me to read his name." Um, over the podcast airwaves here, but it was a very, very sweet and thorough email. He said, what we do for my wife is we take a pill, put it into wax paper, crush it with like a mug or something that's a hard surface. Then you take the wax paper, the folded wax paper, which now like acts as a funnel. And then you take the powder, you put that into applesauce or something like that. So it's a way, it's a more refined focused way of crushing wow. the pill. I really like that. Yeah. So that's like when you you have the capsules and people take the capsules and pull them apart and put them in the yogurt. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, it's, it's the friends. it's the super big pills that I can't swallow. I've seen some of my friends take like these horse pills and some of them can swallow them like even without drinking water. I'm like, oh, how do you how do you do that? So it's a gift, it really is. Yeah, I've taken a lot of pills in my day because I have a lot of things wrong with me, and it comes with time. Well, you you told us about all your all your childhood injuries last week, so. I didn't even get into the whole thing. I mean, it's there's a whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's for the end of the pot. Yeah, we'll spread that. We'll spread that out. Spread it out. Don't uh, don't spoil it all right now. So we got a whole summer. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Pat Egan texted me about the whole thing. He's like, "What I do is like I I I 
you know, put my head down, tuck in my chin and then swallow it that way. And that's what resonated last week. It's like, yeah, I like the Adam Fisher interview. Okay. Here's what you got to do about the pills. So just it's the human interest side, you know, yeah. people love that. You're right. People like talking off, uh, off topic stuff. So I learned that from my great teacher, John Kincaid. Yes. John, who appears to be doing well as he, uh, continues to, uh, eradicate cancer for a third time now. So uh, we mentioned him on a previous podcast. I think I did tell you, he listened to the scoop. Pat shared the scoop with him that week. He heard what you said about him. He said he got choked up about it, which he said, uh, said to say thank you. So, and he sounds great on the radio. I know he's doing well. And he, he really, really does. People say it all the time. Like he really is serious about having this, you know, failure is not an option mindset with this. So I have a, a, a an immense amount of respect for John. So wish him well with that. And it's good to hear him on the radio again. The Scoop is brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash with someone else's fault, the insurance company will not be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get you the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com greenspans-law.com. One of the things we have for you today, the bulk of the podcast is going to be our conversation with Temple right tackle, Victor Stoffel. We all know by now, if you're a Temple football fan, if you follow the program, on one hand, the offensive line, the, the team as a whole, we allowed 10 sacks. And we talked to Victor about that a little bit. Part of it was the pass blocking. Part of it was just the awareness and just the the aptitude of, of EJ Warner, just knowing when to get rid of the ball him not being your typical freshman, having learned the game under his father, and he was just a really quick study. Uh, they didn't run the ball particularly well last year. They were one of the worst teams in the country. But, um, you know, they not that Victor was going to fix everything, but he missed the first five games of the season, had a, a patellar tendon injury that he talks about here in the interview, and uh, missed the first five games, played the last seven, then had the surgery to clean up that that injury, but uh, a lot of great stuff from Victor, a guy that they're really counting on to probably lock down that right tackle position because, you know, even though they weren't a particularly good offensive line last year, they are losing Adam Klein. They're losing Isaac Moore and they were so banged up again. If you, if you follow Temple football, you know that they did not at all have the luxury of starting the same five guys in consecutive seasons. So a lot of great stuff here from Victor. Talk to him about how he got started in playing the game, where he thinks he's improved, what a guy like Isaac Moore meant to him as a guy uh, coming into to the States and uh, uh, from Sweden. So then uh, talked to us a lot about EJ Warner, what he likes to do off the field, where he likes to eat, all sorts of good stuff here. Uh, some some reader mailbag questions. So I had a lot of fun. So we're going to play this interview for you and then talk about a little bit more on the other side. We're really excited to have Temple offensive lineman Victor Stoffel on the scoop with us this week. Victor, how's everything going? Thanks for doing this. Hi, oh, yeah. Everything's going good. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Victor, I know you're one of six offensive linemen who didn't play in the spring game. Now you were hurt in fall camp and then you missed the, the first five games and then you had surgery after the season, correct? Yeah, that's correct. What was the surgery and what was the recovery like? Uh, so it was a knee surgery. Uh, I had a, uh, the patella tendon uh, was a the thing there. But it wasn't that bad of a post-surgery you know before I can you know start moving again but I did miss spring but as of right now I'm doing pretty good I'm you know I feel healthy I'm feeling good and I should be ready by fall fall uh, camp with preseason camp coming up a little bit more than a month away is this 
don't know. Is this as good as you felt in, in a while? How do you feel now as compared to, you know, other times during the year? Yeah, uh, definitely. I feel very good. Um, Cause I think I had a little knee thing that was kind of, you know, been going on for a while. So actually getting to, you know, fix that. I definitely feel, I feel really good and I'm really excited for, you know, this upcoming season. With you and Wisdom Corsi and Rich Rodriguez, Bryce Thoman and James Famu not playing spring game. The offensive line, they were still able to move the ball and make some things happen on offense. And then mm -hmm. some of these younger guys like Diego Barajas, Melvin Ciani at the tackles, with so many key guys out, um, what did you think they were able to do? Because that seemed to be a, a bright spot for you guys in the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't really control everything. So having all these stars out, um, I mean, it creates an opportunity, right? You get to see what the young guys, you know, what they can do. They're getting a lot more reps now than like previously. So I was really excited to see what these guys would do. And I thought that a lot of them definitely got a lot better, you know, and uh, so I thought I saw a lot of improvement. And I was really proud of uh, kind of from day one to spring, the spring game, how far we got. And uh, I think that's, a you know, it, it shows how much these guys really put into uh, to football. Like they really studied the plays, they know their stuff, and it shows on the field. So with you being limited in the spring, what were you able to get done? I mean, I know that, you know, coming off the surgery, you know, playing in the game was going to be not a priority and they wanted to play it safe. What were you able to get done in the spring? Where do you feel like you could make any progress there as you were recovering? Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I can always, you know, study the playbooks, always, you know, learn to place more. Uh, and that's, you know, we lost, uh, or Isaac and the client, you know, they graduated, they're done. So I've kind of become more of a leader on the O-line unit right now. So, you know, I'm just trying to teach the new guys and the, uh, the young guys kind of you know the playbook and just help them be the best that they can be, you know. So that's kind of thing. My contribution this spring is just, just been trying to teach these guys, you know, kind of what I've what I've known, what I've learned from my my time at you know, Temple. And Victor, flashing back, you know, coming into Temple in 2019, you were six eight, two eighty two. Now you're up to three hundred pounds, right? Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about, um, you know, as a tackle trying to put on weight but still having that athleticism and, and being flexible since you're, you know, you're kind of out on, on an Island there as, as an outside guy. Right. Talk us through that process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, when I first got recruited, I was 240. Like I was not a big guy. I used to play, I used to play D end. I know I've always been a skinny guy. I've always struggled with putting on weight, uh, but I know like that first 40 pounds got on like really easy. I got to 280. Uh, and then for a long time, I went down. I was at 270 for a long time. Um, and I really struggled with gaining weight. Uh, it was the hard, hardest thing for me. Uh, but so I kept pushing and eventually kind of just kind of, I feel like my body is kind of broke and I started gaining weight again. Like, yes, yeah, took a little bit. But I know also with this coaching staff and with Coach Weiss that, you know, he's really, you know, on about the weight and making sure that you're on weight. I and mean, he'll get you up there. And so I noticed a lot of the, uh, the new guys, you know, they, they're going through this weight uh, gaining thing that, you know, I've been through myself as well. Um, but I think that, but which Coach Weiss, like, you know, he's, he's going to get you up to that weight. You know, we talked a little bit about the injuries last year, you missed five, uh, the first five games coming off the injury. And then you played this final, the final seven games as the starting right tackle. Everyone knows by now that you guys didn't have the luxury of starting the same five guys in consecutive weeks. Yeah. So how challenging was that given all the lineup changes and, you know, I'm sure what it does to the communication and, and continuity as well. Can you, you know, shed some light on that as well? Right. I mean, yeah, it was definitely challenging. I mean, you know, playing next to a different guy each week, um, you know, you have like different synergies with different guys, I guess. Uh, so it definitely becomes a little bit of a challenge. But at the end of the day, like, that's also something we pre prepared for. Like, uh, Coach Weasley talked about talked about that. Like, we're not going to have, like, guys are going to go down. It's going to happen. Like, it's 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 inevitable, inevitable almost. So, uh, you know, it's something we prepare for. And, you know, that's where we learn every single position so that we can go in wherever we need to. But I thought we handled it well. And I thought, you know, a lot of guys um, did a good job.
and you've mentioned Coach Weeze throughout this interview. Uh, he has said over and over again that there are five steaks at the table and the five best guys will eat, which is one of my favorite sayings now. Yeah. Uh, and it means, you know, he doesn't necessarily like to lock a guy into a specific position. Uh, is it safe to say you're a tackle for the most part? And, you know, what other positions has he cross-trained you at, if any? Yeah, I think with my size, I'm definitely, you know, more of a tackle. But I, mean, I have taken guard reps. Like last fall camp, um, I was playing quite a bit of guard because we had Klein and uh, Isaac out there tackle. And that's something I feel comfortable with too. And I feel really good at that position. So, you know, I'm always open, you know, I'm always open to be put anywhere, you know, I'll play guard, I even play center if I have to. Uh, but um, yeah, I think I'm definitely more of a, you know, the guard, uh, the tackle build for sure. And obviously you have to get into preseason camp, but in your eyes, would it be fair to say that Rich Rodriguez would be the leading candidate to play center? I mean, you mentioned if you have to, you would play it, but do you see him playing center if he's healthy? Yeah. And I think he's a guy that, you know, also has gotten a lot better, like even, you know, with his surgeries as well. I think we both of us kind of, you know, start studying the paper more, trying to, you know, get better where we can. And um, so I definitely think that he'll, he's going to play no matter. I think he's going to play. Uh, if he's going to be center guard, I can't say, you know, like we'll, that's a, you know, we'll see when we get there, but uh, for sure he'll be in the rotation there. You obviously have, have seen an increased presence in, you know, Temple's involvement in recruiting internationally. Do you feel that that's a, a strong presence on the team? And, you know, how's that kind of looked, you know, getting guys from across the world into the building? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I think Temple is one that, you know, they get a lot of international guys. And I think they see the value in that. I mean, obviously, you know, Isaac Moore, was a, he came to Sweden uh, like me. And he's, he played his freshman year. I think, I think a lot of international guys, they, you know, they're good players. They're good athletes. And I think they... Um, I think they have the good, the right mindset too. You know, they they want to be coached, they want to learn, they understand coming in that they're kind of like an underdog here. They 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 have to like outwork people and you know work the, work as hard as they can. I think that's something that Temple recognizes, and that's why they keep um, bringing in these international guys. You know, I, I love it. I'm a big fan. You know, obviously. <laughs> For our listeners who haven't heard you talk about it before, it tells them how you got involved with playing football. Like what some of your earliest football memories are in in Sweden, and about your recruitment and how you ended up at Temple. I mean, so in Sweden, football is a very small sport. Like it's like a lot of people don't know about it. Um, you know, if football is like it's they have people think it's rugby, you know, like it's not very that big. Um, but I think it was back in 2011 in December, I went to this winter convention. They had like a sports convention. So you had a bunch of different sports you could try out. And one of them was football. So, you know, I tried that out. I could just throw a ball. I wasn't that good at it. And I got to tackle the dummy and I really like tackling the dummies. So I decided to, you know, start playing football. And um, yeah, so 2012 was the first year I started playing football. Um, the first year, I think we went one and nine and I was probably the worst player on our, on our football team. Um, but, you know, I, I kept at it. I kept going at it because, you know, I liked it. And uh, yeah, eventually it led me here. And I think and that was um, one of the hard parts when I started playing was I knew I wanted to play college one football, division one football. But I didn't know how to get there. I didn't really know, like, how do I get the coach to notice me? How do I get, you know, how do I get their attention all the way from over here? And that's where uh, PPI comes in for me. Uh, PPI is the Premier Players International, run by Brandon Collier, who basically, he goes to Europe and he finds these international kids that are good at football and then takes them to American camps. So I came in contact with him. Uh, he came visit Sweden. I had a camp with him. He really liked me. So he took me to, um, yeah, to the, to the U.S. in the summer of 2018. I got to go on a, you know, a few camps and I went to a private work at a temple and uh, yeah, I got offered. What was that whole process like when you're 
going through that here in the States, I mean, any young person is just struggling with the decision of like where they're going to go to college. And that's, that's time consuming enough. You're going through the process and not only are you trying to figure out where you want to go to college to be a, a division one athlete, you're, you're uprooting your life and moving to another country. What, what, yeah. what was it like? Was, was any of it nerve wracking or was it just, did the excitement kind of just take over for you? Um, yeah, I think, you know, leading up to it, I think it's mostly excitement. You know, I'm the type of guy that, you know, I get really excited for it and I don't really realize, you know, the consequences of it before, you know, until it happens. Uh, but, I was, you know, I was really excited, of course, I got the offer. Um, but leaving, you know, Sweden, my country, my country, my family, my friends, you know, everything behind, it was definitely hard. I think that first year at Temple for me was a very difficult year mentally. Uh, obviously, you know, having to switch positions, trying to gain weight, very much you know, struggling with gaining the weight and then being away from home. I mean, I think all that was really hard on my mental health. Um, but I always thought to myself that I was going to give it a year, you know, like no matter what, I'm going to give this a year. I'm not going to, you know, put on it. Uh, so I gave it, you know, I gave it a year. And after that year, I, uh, yeah, I just kept going. <laughs> How much did having Isaac Moore around help you? I mean, not only was he a good player, but I, I mean, in the 20 some years I've been covering Temple, he's one of my favorite interviews. I mean, he's just got such yeah. a, a great personality. He's so much fun to talk to. He just has this wonderful view on the world. How much did it help to have him around? Yeah. So Isaac, um, you know, we knew each other from uh, back in Sweden. We live quite a bit apart, but we played in the national team together and we played each other a few times. So, you know, I didn't know him that well, but I definitely knew of him. Uh, but no, but like I said, he's like, he's a great, you know, he's a great guy, great personality. He's a real funny guy. Um, and I think it definitely did help having him around. But I know definitely in the beginning, of course, I didn't, I really, really didn't know him that much. But, you know, as I got to, you know, know him throughout the years, you know, I got to say, you know, he's a great guy, really funny guy. And, you know, yeah. Everybody knows that, uh, on one hand, you guys, and I'll get to the, the good stuff in a second, where you guys allowed just 10 sacks last season, but you guys struggled to run the ball. And that's, that's yeah. too, I'm sure, a lot of different things. If you had to talk a listener through that, and I know there are a lot of different things that play into it. I'm sure the backs will take some responsibility. The line's going to take some responsibility. How much are you guys just playing that over in your mind and saying, we got to tune this up. We have to be better at that. Is it almost, is that like a point of emphasis this, this off season and saying, Hey, we got to be better there. We know we have to be better. Oh, there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were aware of, you know, where we were at with the running game. We know it's not where we want to be. And I think that really comes down first off is, you know, knowing the playbook, you got to know the place. If you, if you don't know the place, you're going to hesitation and you're not uh, going to be able to perform at the level you can. So I think the first step is knowing the playbook. And then once you know that you just got to pl play with, with no breaks, you know, like you got to, I think we got to be more intense in the run game. That's really, really what I think it is. And I think, I think that's something that obviously, you know, there's a new coaching staff, you know, we would have been stressing that, but I think this year now, having had that previous year, I think we're in a much better position than we used to be. And then, like I said, on the flip side of it, you guys allowed just 10 sacks last season. That was the best overall mark in the conference and something you can really hang your hat on. And especially considering all the lineup changes you guys had, like Declan said, you guys never, everybody knows by now, you guys were never able to play the same five guys in, in multiple weeks. So that's quite an accomplishment for you guys. Every time we'd ask EJ about it, he would compliment you guys. We'd ask you guys about it. You guys would compliment EJ. How much of it was just awareness and him knowing when to get rid of the ball and how much of it was you guys just being really good pass blockers and really aware there? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, EJ, I mean, he gets the ball out fast. So he definitely, that definitely helps. And when it comes to the end of the pass game, I think, uh, you know, this comes down to, again, like knowing the looks you're going to get, like knowing the blitzes, recognizing the blitzes. I think that's something in recent years in Temple that I've noticed is we're getting way better at picking up 
uh, looks and seeing when they're going to blitz and when they're not and who's going to come and not. Uh, so I think that helps. But also, you know, for sure, EJ, you know, he's doing a great job just getting that ball out. Like, even if I do get beat, you know, he, he gets it out. And speaking of EJ, obviously he comes in and plays really, really well as a true freshman. He was on a couple of postseason freshman All-American teams. He really gave you guys a shot in the arm. And, and mm. he really does seem to play with the knowledge of the game of a guy who grew up just under Kurt Warner, but he doesn't really bring his dad up. He's not, at least when he's talking to us as reporters, he doesn't, he's not that guy to, to name drop. And he seems to keep a pretty low profile. And everybody talks about how much he's in the building watching film. What's it like being with him, not just on the field, but off the field? And how much have you seen him grow to where you think he can be better this year? I, mean, I think EJ is also definitely a personality, you know, a character. Uh, but I think he's gotten more comfortable around the team too. It's kind of, you know, letting us, you know, it's getting out of his shell a little bit. Um, but you know, he's such a, like, I guess there's a like, winner's mindset. Like, I mean, he hates losing and he like he just loves competing. You know, like I, I play him in chess all the time. And, you know, he's the, the like the worst guy to play in chess, you know, because he'll, you know, he'll super excited if he wins and if he loses, he gets a bit mad. And, like, oh, God, we got to play again. We got to go back, you know. So he, um, I think that's a real good, like, winner's mindset. And, like, yeah, he doesn't really talk about his dad that much or, like, bring up that. Because, I mean, I think it really is, you know, his own person. He's doing his own thing. I think he's doing a great job, too. I'm really looking forward to um, kind of seeing what he's going to do this year. Victor, to close things out, we have a, a few uh, mailbag questions here from one of our one of our Scoop subscribers. You have time to answer a few quick uh, mail? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so this comes from you know our subscribers log in with screen names here, and the screen name is Green Street Al. So it's a, a three-part question. His first one is, Victor, what are the players and coaching staff talked about in terms of goals for the upcoming season? You know, we have like smart goals, like um, different kinds of goals. We have short-term goals and long-term goals. I mean, obviously the long-term goal or the goal for the season is to, you know, win the conference. And then from that, we're just going to build, you know, smaller and smaller goals so we can take day by day and work on. Uh, just a, a follow-up along those lines. You talk about winning the conference. And sure, Cincinnati's leaving, UCF is leaving, Houston is leaving. But there are really good teams coming in from Conference USA. Mm -hmm. You guys get to play a couple of the tough ones, even the homecoming game. Obviously, you guys will look one game at a time. But even the homecoming game is not going to be an easy one with UTSA coming in. For a sport where you, the coaches say it's one game at a time, keep the main thing the main thing. But you guys as human beings, do you look ahead to some of the other teams that are coming out of the conference and kind of – look them up a little bit and Google some stuff and say, huh, okay, these, these guys are going to be part of our league now. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely look up a little bit, you know, just check it out. But honestly, I don't pay that much attention to it. Like for me, it really is that like one game at a time mindset. Like, are we playing a team? It doesn't matter what team it is. At the end of the day, we just got to do our job right. If we do our job correctly, it doesn't matter what team we play. The second question here from, from Green Street Al is, who do you think are the most improved players or even newcomers who impressed you from this spring across the offensive and defensive lines? I think, um, you know, Diego being a transfer coming in, I thought he did a great job. Uh, I was really impressed by he did, what he did. Um, and that's also just the end of the, the overall improvement that the whole O-line has done. I think uh, the whole O-line has gotten better and better. Uh, I know we talked about Melvin, too, being a new guy. You know, he uh, picks up things very fast, I think. And I think a lot of guys do that. Coming to, to the D-line sign, I mean, I don't know Demeric, you know, he's in there leading, leading the guys, and I think he's been doing a great job, and I'm really excited for the D-line too, for sure. Uh, the third and final mailbag question here is, uh, he's saying, I'm a bit of a foodie, so where do you go, if anywhere in the city or around the area, for food that reminds you of being home? Oh, that's a hard one. There's not really it's not really one spot. The food's very different. There's no there's no one spot I can go to to, go, um, to feel like home. If anything, I guess it would be Ikea. Um, I will say though, I, I do like the 
halal trucks, like get some chicken over rice or something like that. That's gets pretty close to uh, similar things in Sweden. So you really will actually like go over to Ikea to get the the meatballs so, over there? So I've never actually been because I don't have a car, but I always wanted to go. And I'm really trying to go. Like I'm trying to get someone to take me to Ikea so I can try the meatballs. Huh. I, don't know, I don't know if they're good or not. Like I want to try them to see like how good are they really? Are they representing, you know? Uh, I mean, I, I, Victor, I can't tell you I've ever been to Sweden. I would lo- I'd feel fortunate to go in my lifetime if I could go. I don't, I mean, I don't want to hype up the, the meatballs. <laughs> Ed Declan, have you ever been there? Have you had them at, at Ikea? Victor, I was thinking the same thing. I've always wanted to go to Ikea yeah. for that same reason. Like I just, it, it's someday, someday it'll happen. But it, it was funny when you said that I immediately, I immediately understood that feeling. Yeah, no, for sure. There's got to be a good, there's got to be a good Swedish restaurant we could find for you in Philly. Or just well, a, I've been looking, I've been looking, I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe not. Um, Just a couple other things to close things out. I mean, just staying with the, you know, what you do off the field, even you just, if you can't find a restaurant that reminds you of home, do do you like to, what, what do you like to eat off the field? I know in some ways you guys can't just eat whatever you want, or maybe I guess you can, if you're putting on weight, what do you, what do you like to do off the field? What do you like to eat and where do you like to go? Uh, I mean, I definitely like food. Um, but right now I have a, I have a pizza place like right by where I live, like diamond pizza. I go there a lot. I kind of try out the whole menu. Um, <laughs> But no, I like uh, the South Philly barbacoa in South Philadelphia. Oh, it has good. to be like a really, yeah, amazing taco spot. Really, that's really where I always go. Like when I when my family comes, mm-hmm. we usually always go there, you know, and get some food there. Um, I also like trying different cheesesteaks. I will say, I think my favorite is probably Del Sandro's, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, that's like a far away from me. So I don't, don't go there that often because it's, you know, I don't have a vehicle. So mm-hmm. I just got to find someone to drive me over there. You got to get one of the guys on the team with a car to, to drive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. South Philly barbacoa, that's a good that that's a that's a good pick. That's a really really mm. good place down down by the Italian market. I like asking the guys. I know that you'll probably say, "Hey, it's we don't have much time other than football and classes." But what's something that people wouldn't know about you? Is there anything that you like to do outside of football that people wouldn't know about you? Also, I, I like uh, maybe a little nerdy, but I do like playing a lot of games, uh, like video games, stuff like that. But uh, one thing I do play with my friends as a back home is Dungeons and Dragons. I play a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and this is your your position coach, Chris Wiesahan, asked me to say to ask you, ask him which Viking he's going to be this year. Is that related to Dungeons and Dragons, or is that something completely different? I think that no, that's um, he likes to compare me to either Hiccup or Ragnar. So either Hiccup from How to Train Dragon or Ragnar in Vikings. So he's telling me like, who are you going to be? Are you going to be Hiccup or are you going to be Ragnar? You know, and if, if it's not happy with me, he's going to be calling me Hiccup. But that, I think that's where he's getting at. Okay, I lied. I have one more question for you here. Yeah, sure. There's the five stakes at the table quote, which we've heard mm-hmm. a, a million times. times. Does he have any other quotes that he gets you guys uh, on? He, just he has like a- so many. He has so many. I don't know how many I can say like here. <laughs> I don't know how many I'm allowed to say. Uh, but no, yeah, he, he, he I mean, he's, he's a quote machine. Like he'll he'll throw off jokes like left and right. Like he, it's insane how quickly he just comes up with them. You're just minding your own business and boom, you know, again, something. Uh, my favorite term he has is I don't know. He says as a copy. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I, can I say um, slap uh, genitals. He likes saying that. <laughs> That's just like if you if you like you know not like putting effort. You're you know you're a slap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that works. Yeah, it's just funny hearing it over the years. Like I've heard Matt Hennessy talk about his quotes. You hear Deion Dawkins talk about yeah. his quotes and. 
he's just kind of like stretched across these generations of players. So Victor, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, best of luck to you in terms of staying healthy. And uh, we'll talk to you soon as preseason camp gets closer. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Victor. We'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you. See ya. Declan, what'd you think? Well, the reporter in me had two major takeaways, I think, from what he was talking about. The first one being him directly mentioning Diego Barajas, Melvin Ciani, and how big they've been. Uh, in in spring, we had talked a lot about, you know, obviously there had to be a lot of changes to the offensive line. With, like we mentioned, and like he said as well, they struggled with run blocking, They, you know, but they also didn't have that solid rotation of guys. To have somebody like Barajas and Siani come in when you're losing people like Klein and like Isaac Moore, I think that is a huge thing to hear, especially just for that unit as a whole. And then the other thing that really stuck out to me was just him mentioning the synergy of the offense as well and that the unit as a whole is getting better and not necessarily having any like standouts because that's something that um, Coach Wiesahan talked about a lot in the spring. And then the idea of the the five steaks and, you know, whoever's hungriest is going to eat. And, you know, I think that's that's been a big thing that this unit has missed in the past couple of years. And, you know, with so many guys that have struggled with injuries to have that versatility, to have somebody like Victor say that he can play center if he has to. Um, I think that's going to be key for this unit. So if they can stay healthy, it sounds like they've improved and that's just going to help the entire offense. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that actually comes to fruition or not. And then as the fan, you know, the, the person in me to hear him say that, you know, he wants to go to Ikea for the Swedish meatballs I've been fun. in the interview. So do I, so, yeah. you know, it's, it was good to hear that too, that, you know, I'm not out of the, I'm not completely weird for wanting to go to <laughs> Ikea just for that, you know? Yeah. And, and again, if you were listening there, that comes from one of our, our longtime subscribers, green street, Al, and asking, you know, and being a foodie, where would you go for food that reminds you of home? And he says, going down to Ikea. And I can't remember if I've had the meatballs there. Usually if I go, it's to try to get a specific thing. I I make the mistake of thinking we're going to be in and out of there in 20 minutes. And then this sounds like such a guy thing to say, but then my wife looks around. She's like, oh, this looks cool. This looks nice. And And then you can, as you get closer to the kitchen there near the end, it's like a maze. And then you smell the food. I don't think I've had the meatballs before. So, but yeah, there's gotta be, there's gotta be someone on that team to, to, to Victor Stoffel's teammates, to maybe Chris Weezan. If you are listening to this podcast, there's gotta be somebody that can get Victor Stoffel to Ikea. The one on Delaware Avenue is not far away. If you feel like getting out of the city, there's the one in Concha Hawk and a little bit closer to where I am. Yeah. But he's made like his cheesesteaks. The South Philly barbacoa pool on his part was, was good. You Have you ever been down there? John, you know so me. come on now. That's so good. Yeah, I forgot. You're you it's a big adventure for you if you go to uh, I went to this place called uh it's it's golden arches, it's fries, it's burgers. <laughs> you were going with that. Special <laughs> sauce, <laughs> lettuce, cheese, uh it's not the king of burgers, it's something close, really oh. out of the way, struggling mom and pop shop. Is it McDonald's that yeah, there's this, this little local place across the street, you know, it's got this girl with red hair you know she's got these these burgers you know they're square uh, carols wendy's wendy's that's it yeah 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 yeah. that's it that's it we don't want to get into uh promise me you'll do better with the uh whip food bracket next year so we already have we've already explored in the last like weeks of the year we explored a lot of places my new favorite place 
in all of Philly is Max's. So there you go. I'm not saying, look, you're not going to find this like complete hole in the wall place no one's ever heard of, but yeah, at least you got off campus. Yeah. Like yeah. Max's. I actually have never been to Max's. I've heard it's great. Oh, do yourself a favor. Go after this. Just, just thank me later. Paying cash though. They don't, they don't take card, which cash only. Yeah. We didn't know going into that, but it was what's worth your, it. So what's your favorite? Are they automatically your favorite cheesesteak place? Yeah, definitely. Compared definitely. to what else? What else have you had? Delisandro's we went to. We mm-hmm. did like a cheesesteak tour. Or oh, we tried to in the last couple. No, not in one day. Okay. I mean, I pushed for that, but I'm trying to think. Delisandro's was the other big one that we went to. And then, you know, like some of the local places, but Max is, that's that's my favorite. Done Pats and Geno's? Uh, no, I haven't been to Pats and Geno's yet. I think Heard they're good. I think time. Heard it wasn't worth the time. No, I wouldn't say that. I think that people have gone so far over to the other side where they're like, oh, they're the tourist traps. Yes, they are the tourist traps, but they're still good steaks. I've not been to Phillips yet, which is by like way west on either Pass Junk or Snyder. As you're like going way down Broad Street, you make a ride around Snyder and head out to 76 that way. That's where I think Ed Sheeran was just serving steaks down at. at uh, oh, Ed, what a guy. What's the place that uh, Jalen Hurts has something? Which which? Uh, oh, that is in oh, and Matt Breen talked to us about it. It is outside the city, right? Or is it in Cheltenham? I don't remember. Uh, I should know this. I should know this. Uh, and Matt wrote about it. And Matt Breen is a fantastic writer. I'm in full disclosure here. I am googling this right now because I've mentioned on, on mentioned it on the show. My previous favorite place was Jim's. May it rest in peace. I mean, I, 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 well, it's coming back. It is coming back, which is what I was about to say. I'm going to be there opening day, I think. I love Jim's. You have to invest yourself in the fact that you will smell like the place. Yes. When you're done. And you'll Uh, be in line for about an hour, but it's, it's so worth it too. Like it's food, food chasers kitchen is where Jalen Hurts went. And that is where it is. Yeah. No free shout outs, but hold on. It is, where is it? Where is it? I wanted to say, is it Cheltenham? Is it Jenkintown? Hold on. Where we should it? do an Owl Scoop meet and greet at the grand grand reopening of gyms. It is Elkins Park. Elkins Park. Anyway, big thank you to Victor Stoffel and uh, telling us about what he does on the field, off the field. Again, he's going to be, of course, a very important part of that Temple offensive line this season. Uh, would I would imagine unless things change Dramatically, as you heard him say there, I mean, 6'8", 300 pounds. He's a tackle. He did say, hey, if they need me to play center, I'll play center. But uh, Temple's likely starting right tackle where he started the last seven games this past season. So a couple of football recruiting updates to bring to all of you. We we hinted at the fact that there would be a couple of verbal commitments coming up as things start to heat up now with football recruiting. So Temple's up to four verbals now. Tyler Stewart and Denzel Chavis have committed since we recorded last week. Stewart's a 5'9", 170-pound wide receiver from Georgia's Jones County High School. Really fast guy. And Javis is a cornerback from Union City High School from North Jersey. There have been a, a few other official visitors since then. Lauren Ward, a defensive lineman from Coco High School in Florida. And then a couple of PPI recruits. PPI, of course, is the group that, that Victor Stoffel mentioned, uh, started by Brandon Collier, a former Eagles player. He was a good player at UMass. Played uh, a short amount of time for the Eagles. And he's really, really been instrumental in getting a lot of guys from overseas, from Europe, uh, into the game of football and bring them here to get ex- get exposure and play some college football. So Samuel Arrett, 
Uh, it was now Clearwater Academy International in Florida. Max Dinenberg from our staff talked to him. We're going to play a clip of their conversation when we get into the mailbag. Uh, he's a defensive end, outside linebacker, rush end type of guy. And then there's Daniel Everett, a uh, tight end from Germany, also a PPI guy. So another guy Temple had uh, in for a recent visit, and he tweeted about this uh, running back named Therese Worthy. Yeah, he had reported on Twitter they ran a 4-3-8 40-yard dash back in May at Temple's first camp that weekend on May 29th. Got kind of a cool story. He was Maryland's MVP in the Big 33 game last year. He ended up going to Lackawanna College. So he played this past season, his first season, uh, first JUCO season. So he still has a season coming up. Ended up rushing for 849 yards and 10 touchdowns. Has another season to go, and and you know some bigger schools will be in the mix there for for his recruitment. But uh, Temple's building a relationship with him. Another thing that that came out today, the TBT updates. The Broad Street Birds didn't end up qualifying for the TBT, uh, as did the Big Five team. So uh, that Big Five team is going to be coached by Khalif White, and then the Broad Street Birds. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, we had Shiz Austin on. So that's going to be Shiz Alston, Quentin Rose. Nate Pierre-Louis has told us that he's going to be basically like a booster. They're going to be playing right around the time he's going to be on his honeymoon. So the brackets were uh, announced there. The The big five teams, the eight seed, and they're matched up against the, uh, what's the Buffalo team? Uh, they're actually the defending champs. And then the Broad Street Birds are in the 4-5 game, both uh, second week teams in the TBT. So uh, we'll have some more stuff for you later on this summer about uh, all the Temple guys playing in the TBT and the basketball tournament. Uh, a couple mailbag questions left here for us as a staff. Uh, first one here comes from uh, Twitter. This is from the Twitter handle off the hook three. And he says with the off season auditions, see what you did there to the roster now mostly completed. Give me your starting running back. And did they finally get a 1000 yard rusher? They haven't had that since 2018. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast and, you guys were enthused by what you saw in Kyle Williams, the the mid-year enrollee, the freshman mid-year enrollee from Harrisburg High School. They're bringing in Jaquez Smith, who's going to be on campus by now, uh, out of Tampa Jesuit High School. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? I, I still think Ed Sadie will probably start, but I think those first few non-conference games will be really important for those backs, as they will be for everybody. You know, if, if a guy like Kyle Williams can – you know, those are, there's a stretch there where you've got some winnable games against Akron, against Norfolk State, and sure, you're not playing the cream of the crop of the American in those games, but that's those are some games where like a guy like Jaquez Smith or a guy like Kyle Williams could say, hey, regardless of the of the opponent, I'm putting some stuff on film here where whether I'm you know changing directions, putting my foot in the ground and just going, and putting some stuff on tape that the coaches just can't ignore or deny that might be where you maybe see somebody distinguish themselves or they maybe push Ed Sadie to be a guy who's a better back this year. And he's not getting the bulk of his yards against uh, USF. So I still think Ed Sadie is going to be the starter. And I do not think they'll have a thousand yard rusher. I just think for a couple of reasons, I think they'll actually have some more options at running back. And I think they could spread around the carries a little bit more and, why would you take opportunities out of EJ Warner's hands, especially now they threw him a lot when they, you know, didn't have a, a terrific ground game last year. I can see them running a little bit more, but yeah, I think a few guys will be getting the ball and I do not see him having a thousand yard rusher. And I think Ed Sadie will be the guy to start him off. What do you think Declan? 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. And like you said, I think those first couple weeks have winnable games where if it gets out of hand in the third quarter, that's when you send in, you know, a guy like Kyle Williams, Joe Quest Smith, because D1 competition ultimately is D1 competition, you know, and you're going to face talent that isn't, you wouldn't have faced at the high school level anyway. So it's a, it's a different level getting acclimated to guys that are also on scholarships that are playing for these different teams. Even if it's not like Clemson or Alabama, you're still getting that those reps and you're still playing at the D one level. You're still getting that experience, but yeah, it just makes all the sense in the world for Ed Sadie to, to be the number one back at least week one. And then you go from there, but I agree with the second part as well. There's just too many horses in the stable for one person to stand out and get a thousand yards. So I think, uh, you know, they're going to take touches away from each other. And I think the, the tight end room should be the focal point of the offense as it is. So they should be the ones getting the ball, at least in the first few weeks, which is going to hurt a 1000 yard campaign from anybody. So, you know, I think ultimately they won't, but you might get a guy or two that can come close. And in in all honesty, it could be Kyle Williams because we've mentioned it time and time again. I think he's going to be somebody that toward the end of the year is going to make a really significant impact on this team. Yeah, and I, I like what I saw of him in the spring game, as we've talked about, regardless of what they've installed at that point, what they haven't installed, what they're showing, what they're not showing. But I don't know that it's really going to be in Danny Langsdorf's nature as an offensive coordinator to say, hey, I'm going to of all these guys, I think that this guy is going to be my bell cow back. Who's going to be carrying the ball 18, 20, 22 times a game enough to get a thousand yards. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I think they will be a better team. How much better are they going to be six and six, seven and five, five and seven. We'll see, but I think they'll be able to spread things out a little bit more, but I just don't see them having that guy. That's going to be this dominant back, but could be wrong. The next question here comes from Al 79 is the screen name. One of our, uh, Al Scoop subscribers, uh, his question here, gents, the football staff seems to be working the PPI pipeline fairly hard. Again, this is what we were talking about before in terms of having a mailbag question here. Uh, has had several visits from European players this past weekend. Can you update us on that? And are there any potential signings for the 2024 class? So Al 079, we did earlier in the pod, as you heard, if you've been listening along, we talked about the PPI guys. We're going to play a clip here. Max Dinnenberg from our staff talked to Samuel Errett. This is Samuel Errett talking about what made Temple stand out? Uh, what's different about Temple as opposed to the other schools who are recruiting him? So again, as of 5.01 p.m. on Wednesday, June 21st, Samuel Errett has not committed yet. I don't know if that'll change by the time this pod comes out. I doubt it. But sounds like Temple's in fairly good shape here. We'll, we'll see what happens. But here's a part of their conversation. Again, this is Max Dinnenberg talking to Samuel Errett, uh, who's at Clearwater Academy International. But it came to the States via that PPI pipeline. I think what's really good about Temple is them being very real and not like fake even in the recruiting process. And I think they have a great culture that they're building there now. And they have a lot of European guys, which stuck out to me. Stuck out to me. Um, they have like eight guys from Europe or like international guys. So that's that's awesome to see. Both their starting tackles are from, from Europe. So I really like their coaching staff. I think that's what separates them is just them and the people they have in the building. And then being able to trust each other and the players being able to trust the coaches. That's something to keep an eye on there uh, in terms of his recruitment. And then the other part here, can you update us on that? And are there any potential signees for the 2024 class? I, again, I think things will continue to pick up in the next few weeks. 
any potential signees. Well, again, now we're talking more about verbal commitments. The guys will start start uh, start signing in December. I'd say Chase Green from from uh, Largo High School down in Florida, uh, safety down there. That's maybe one of the next names I'd I'd keep an eye on between him, between Samuel Errett. Um, a couple names to keep an eye on there. Again, this is when you'll start to see things pick up in terms of verbal commitments. Last question to close things out here. I don't think we'll, we'll do another quick check of the uh, the message boards here in a second. But the the question we were talking about earlier in the pod from our friend Sean McGady, who does the, the I'll Be Back podcast. So Sean's question here is, last week on the show, Declan said Bigfoot would never be found on Broad Street. If Bigfoot was, in fact, found on Broad Street, do you think it would help or hurt recruiting? Declan, what do you think? Well, if Source I at meateater.com or whatever website it was, yes, which I got a week. text from Ray Dunn about that. Shout out, Ray. Thank you. Um, that he was shocked that I would pull up a website like that. I promise it does exist. Don't know much about it. But if I said never, I apologize because you can't you can't rule out the the fact that, you know, we said last week he does exist or Bigfoot, you know, exists. Don't know. To what extent, you know, don't know where they might be, don't know where in the world. If they were on Broad Street, you know, you have to figure. I, you know, I, it, it's tough because, like, is Bigfoot aggressive toward humans? Because I feel like we would have heard about that already. You know, why, what is Bigfoot's intention of being on Broad Street in this hypothetical scenario? That's what you think about, right? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, what, how did Bigfoot find Broad Street? Did Bigfoot hop on the regional rail and, you know, all of a sudden takes it to, you know, uh, Jefferson? Tasker Morris next up. Tasker Morris. Oh, sorry. Excuse me, please. I just got, I got to duck through the door here. There you go. Sorry um, about that. Uh, slide through. And, you know, it, slide through. people were had to do an Eagles game. They'd probably be like, they would just do the Eagles chant in his face and not even notice. Like, dude, bro, that guy was tall, man. Really hairy. Bigfoot at a tailgate would be electric. I feel like that is somebody you want at your party, uh, you know, really liven it up. I'm sure people would be confused, but you could probably teach him a, a thing or two. Uh, that's immediately where my mind goes to is what are Bigfoot's intentions for Broad Street? Is he, you know, are they cruising market? Are they, are they like looking for something to do in center city? You know, are they going to, to South Philly? Like what, what is, what is Bigfoot doing? If I'm just glancing at Bigfoot on the street. You know what I mean? So I don't know that it would hurt recruiting necessarily, but you know, you'd have to find out, you know, what Bigfoot's doing. Maybe you could bring him in, get some temple merch, you know, kind of a, a PR <laughs> opportunity. You know, we found Bigfoot and he's temple made boom. Then there you go. That's at least 30 t-shirts that you can make out of that. I think it's a, it's an untapped potential, like gold, gold mine that you know, I, I so I, I promise you, this is the first time I'm checking out this website. So I went to the meat. I don't believe you. I don't. No, believe I swear you. to God, is so this is your homepage for sure? No, we don't believe. Here's the lead to this story by Spencer Newharth, back okay. on September 16th, 2020. We don't believe in Bigfoot at Meat Eater, but we're damn interested in him. <laughs> what a what a lead! <laughs> a, Somebody like took some prize-winning lead. Yes. Like any, like any large wild animal, Sasquatches are potentially dangerous. However, their demeanor seems to be more like other ape species and that are shy and reclusive by nature. The overwhelming majority of sightings, uh, sighting reports include observations of Sasquatches simply walking away from the witness. That is according to 
Clifford Barakman runs the North American Bigfoot Center, a museum dedicated to Sasquatch in Oregon. So I think we should take a field trip out there. Clifford here, our good friend Clifford, who is uh, being quoted here at TheMeatEater.com, he's making it sound like Bigfoot kind of just wants to get from one place to the next. Uh, Jeffrey Meldrum, another doctor talking to, naturally any large predatory animal is potentially dangerous and deserving of proper deference. However, most reported encounters with Sasquatch are rather innocuous. Witnesses see Bigfoot and both retreat in opposite directions. Sasquatch is generally perceived a shy, solitary creature as a shy, solitary creature that avoids human contact with an ape's intelligence or better comes a level of curiosity, which I believe draws them to investigate human activities. So there are multiple Bigfoot. I mean, so it sounds like Bigfoot, if he's cruising down Broad Street, like this Bigfoot just wants to get from one place to the next. I got one earbud in, hands in the pockets, just roaming. Yeah. Like this is going to sound like something out of Talladega Nights. I like to picture my Bigfoot as a friendly, as a friendly guy. Declan, this is going to go over your head. It's an 80s movie reference. Or maybe, maybe I'll put this on your list too. I'm going to, I'll be shocked if you say yes. Okay. Harry and the Hendersons before. Definitely not. John Lithgow in the Pacific Northwest. There is basically Harry is this Bigfoot creature and he's a sweetheart and they fall in love with him. He, you know, it's a very 80s movie where, like, he gets attached. Wait, I meant to is Harry a Sasquatch? I believe so, yeah. Okay, all right, my fault. Continue. Yeah. So if I like to think of my Sasquatch, my Bigfoot, as, as the Harry character. So I'm thinking he's going to be friendly. He's going to be posing for pictures with selfies. Right. He's going to do the Granger Hall pose, like, on Broad Street, holding the basketballs out. To circle this back, to get back to to our good friend Sean's uh, question to answer it, do you think it would help or hurt recruiting? I think it helps, Sean. Yeah. I think it, it makes Temple unique. I think Adam Fisher, I think Stan Drayton are like, yeah, you come here, you get to run routes against this guy, you take pictures. He's part of what makes us different and unique. I think it helps recruiting. I yes. think it definitely helps recruiting. I will go as far as to say that they should look into it. Hey, what if we're sitting on press row the fir- in Temple's home opener? in September and we look up on the video board and they do the, Hey, I'm whatever freshman and I'm temple made and temple proud. And you know how they do the celebrity at the end. What if it's Bigfoot and Bigfoot goes, hi, I'm Bigfoot and I'm temple made and temple proud. And then just starts like, flexing at the camera. Like you can't tell me that the That's link electric, that would, that week. would uh lower bowl will be full. The entire stadium is full. If you get Bigfoot to come out at, you know, at the 50 yard line, before the game to get everybody hyped up. Like that's you're, you're selling out. Like that's, that's, that's big time money right there. Yeah. That's yeah. I, Sean, I think it helps. I think it helps. It does. It helps. I think you need to get Bigfoot on the next I'll be back podcasts. That would probably drive some numbers up there. Yes. Wherever you get your podcasts, I'll be back with, with a uh, special guest Bigfoot. So yeah, I think it helps recruiting. I think it does. I don't know how the compliance people feel about that. I don't know if recruits are allowed to talk to Bigfoot. If that counts, I think Bigfoot can't visit the recruits' home until their senior year, right? That's how that works. Uh, big, all the you can visit, you can visit them earlier. Maybe Bigfoot can help out with NIL. I don't know, a lot, a lot of possibilities there. We'll you see. think Bigfoot's paying out of pocket, though? I think, you know, I think people are just giving it to him, You're giving him like free stuff all the time. He doesn't have to worry about a job. I like to Bigfoot's think, not get, going to a nine to five. No, I like to think of my Bigfoot as a guy who is very judicious with his money. 
he does not have it in any banks. So on one hand, he's not collecting any interest, but he just has it stashed under a tree somewhere. I was thinking under the mattress, but yeah, in yeah. A, like a top part of a tree, you know, Bigfoot, nine foot four, probably. So, you know, he's reaching a lot nine more than four people are. Yeah. At least minimum, you know. I think that I think it's definitely a possibility and and, and it drives, you know, it, it goes beyond athletics, right? It, it it goes to the rest of the school, you know, maybe Bigfoot's giving tours in the middle of <laughs> October, you know, prospective students are coming in. Oh, you won't see Bigfoot at Penn's campus now, will you? Sorry, yeah, Sean, I think it helps. I think it helps. It's a good question. A lot of Bigfoot content on the scoop over the last few weeks. Again, you never know where this crazy podcast is going to take us. Absolutely. New every week. So yeah. big thank you. Uh, big thank you to Victor Stoffel for for uh, for joining us and uh, for all of you who submitted mailbag questions. We always have a lot of fun with it. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys are having a great week and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.